warning. This podcast frequently contains disturbing and graphic content. User discretion is highly advised. Hello again, Nightmare Society. A big welcome to our newest official members of the Nightmare Society online campfire. Ashley B., Scary Nugget Mama, and Katrina E. Thanks so much for showing your love for the podcast, guys. It's much appreciated and helps keep this thing going. A big thanks also goes to user air-constant, user gingerman027, and user vic9911 for sharing their stories with us. Now, get comfy and prepare yourself for another episode of The Nightmare Society. This story takes place in North Italy back in 2014. It was early September. A friend of mine proposed me to make a short hike in the woods near his town, and I've obviously agreed, since I love hiking in nature. We prepared our backpacks, grabbed some food, and drove to the place. My friend knew the area really well, so we didn't bother taking a map. We also didn't have flashlights either, or really anything else since we planned to return to the car in a few hours, and in early September daylight lasts still pretty long. As we got deeper into the woods, we saw some beautiful places, small rivers, and a pair of caves we explored. They were pretty small and only had one big chamber. We had lunch and proceeded to follow a trail into a deeply wooded area. After around half an hour, we were at that point around an hour away from the car, since we stopped so many times to snap photos or explore the area, we arrived to a pretty large clearance. In that clearing there were a bunch of around four to five people, dressed normally. They were simply talking and laughing. No satanic cults, dreadful chants, praying in a circle, or anything else. Just super ordinary people, like me and my friend, talking to each other. They obviously saw us too, since the clearing had no trees or rocks to cover the view, and we couldn't avoid that, because there's a really deep, sharp curve, and then the trail immediately ends into the clearing proceeding to the other side of it. We said as we approached them, since they were in the middle of the track, Hey there, what's up? up? They didn't answer back, and began to stare at us, without saying a single word. This obviously launched a huge red flag. We stopped too, and I've looked to my mate. He looked back at me, concerned too. We said hey again. Still, no answers. 
Now I start to feel uneasy, so we decide to return back to the car. But soon after we moved back, we realized that they had started to follow us. As we noticed it, we yelled, Are you following us? Did we do something wrong? Yeah, we were still pretty young and pretty dumb. In those kinds of situations, typically you would run immediately the heck out of there if people act strange like this. But still no answer. Obviously, we proceeded to walk faster and tried to get out of the trail. Another pretty dumb choice, but again, my friend knew the area well. But they were always around 15 meters or so away from us. We started to panic, so we looked again to each other and agreed to get out of there quickly. As soon as we began running, we heard that they started to run too. This obviously freaked us out, and we made our best to put more distance between us and them. Another thing that made me panic was the fact that we were, as I said, around 40 minutes away from the car at that point, in a very, very isolated area. So I thought we were obviously hopeless. At a certain point, when we thought we were about halfway back, we started to notice that they weren't behind us anymore. We thought that maybe, and luckily, we managed to make them lose our track. The area, as I said, is heavily wooded and has plenty of slopes, so it's easy to get lost if you're not used to it. Thus, we took an off-trail way that my friend knew. We hid behind a thick bush and tried to listen. Complete silence. Not even footsteps or voices. And keep in mind that even when they were following us, they didn't say a single word. So we took a second to catch our breath and managed to return to the car, trying our best to be as silent as possible. We jumped into the car and raced the heck out of there. But it doesn't end there. As we left the woods on the main road, we saw, coming from a secondary road, another car behind us. They were following us again, and they've surely never lost our tracks while we were returning to the car. We're sure that they were the same people since, one, they were basically tailgating us. Two, the area is very rarely visited and there were absolutely zero cars except for my friend's one. And three, their car had no plates. We drove to my friend's town, avoiding to go to his house. Taking every country road and every turn we made, they did as well. As we reached the town's ingress, they made a U-turn and returned back to the woods direction. We were completely terrified, and we immediately called the police and informed them to check that area out, but no evidence of any activity came up in the following hours. They never showed up anymore in the following days either, but we were very paranoid for some weeks to even get out of our houses. And this is why I've taken a break from hiking for about four years. I have no idea who they were and why they acted like that. 
but the experience almost gave me PTSD. It's been really, really scary. Seventy-two-year-old man. This happened long ago, but I remember it so well. The background was a series of events that placed me in a mountain cabin outside of Frederick, Maryland, circa 1969 or 1970. Let's just say my life at the time was in disarray. I had dropped out of college. My father had died very badly, and I was alienated. I needed to get my mind right. The opportunity to move to an isolated cabin, to live in contemplation and solitude was welcome. I had some inheritance money to pay for it. To the best of my memory, I was there eight to nine months. No TV, but books and radio. I had a library card, and I can't remember if I had a phone. The story begins when a month into my stay, a female beagle showed up at my door. She was a lost dog and I took her in. Never could train her to do anything, but I fed her and she was a sweet, if not the brightest dog. A few months in, I began to feel a presence around the isolated cabin. Hard to describe, but I felt like someone was watching. On many occasions, I thought someone might even be looking into my cabin window, watching us. The next phase was the shadowing, or following. I knew the folks a half a mile down the lane, woods all around, and would sometimes visit them at night. Someone, something, was waiting for me, and followed me closely in the woods beside me in the darkness. You could hear it easily, footsteps in the woods, and it picked up pace as I did. This not only happened to me, but to my younger brother, who visited, and to friends as well. And it spooked them, big time. At night it was out there, around the cabin. Here's the funny thing, I was never afraid, never felt threatened, not at all at least early on. There was no feeling of malevolence. I spent a good bit of time wandering the vast areas of woodlands around me. There was a state park just up the hill, and the Frederick Municipal Forest went on for mile after mile. The whole of western Maryland was much more country than it is now. None of the development had set in yet. In our hikes, the dog and I we came across evidence of campsites, recent ones, in the woods, traces of fires, old abandoned buildings that had corners that gave shelter and looked slept in, garbage, food, drink, paper, what have you, perhaps hunters, but much of it did not have the organized feel you would get from experienced hunters. The last month of my stay there was when things intensified. Maybe he sensed I was preparing to leave. 
In the mornings, I would find small, dead animals at the bottom of the front porch steps. The cabin had a small front porch, screened with a light door, and four wooden steps to the ground. A spotlight would illuminate the long front yard with woods close by either side. Dead animals began to appear at the bottom of the steps many mornings. I remember small birds, then a squirrel, a rabbit, even a weasel one day. Like they were offerings. I had to grab them up before the dog ate them. This went on almost daily for several weeks. One night, very late, I was awoken by some kind of sound. I lay in bed and heard something from the porch. I hopped up and hit the lights and saw that a hound dog, who never learned to sit or stay, standing at the front door in a perfect point position. She was shaking in fear. She never barked. I heard the door slam and footsteps down the steps. I hit the spotlight but saw nothing. I went out. He had been on the porch at my front door, maybe trying to enter. After that, I stayed in at night more and more. The animal offerings got bigger and bigger. Larger birds, a possum, a woodchuck. It was not funny. The final two gifts were legs from either horses or cows, big and bloody. One was skinned. Holy crap. The second to the last day, the dog left me. I could hear her in the woods howling on a trail, following a scent. I looked for her in every way I could. Came up in the following weeks, but to no avail. She left as she came. I moved back to the Maryland suburbs of D.C., got an apartment with a friend, got a job, and moved on with my life. One day, not long after, I picked up the Washington Post and there was an article about recent encounters with the, quote, Sykesville monster. It described a tall, yeti-like creature, fur-covered, on two legs that would pick out a family or person and give them attention. I wasn't the only one. That attention described in the article was exactly what had happened to me. Following you at night, looking inside the house, gifts, and so on. I was totally shocked. If I had turned on that spotlight and seen a Bigfoot or a Yeti, I might still be running now. But I think I know who it was. Sykesville, Maryland was the location of the Springfield Hospital Center, a large state psychiatric hospital. It was 20 miles or so east of Frederick. Back then, many folks knew how to live in the woods. They grew up that way country folk. I think the monster was an escaped patient, or just a free schizophrenic who lived outside. This is like all the homeless you see in cities now. Probably off his medication, but somehow functional and lonely. He would pick people or families to adopt. 
The camps in the woods would have been him. Nothing to do, he would make mischief. I think he liked me, but sensed I was leaving. I can't prove any of this. Just my theory. My monster was very much of that time and place, but his behavior was what I noticed in nearly every case then. I don't think he could have survived until the 1980s. Deinstitutionalization of mental hospitals threw the mentally ill out into the streets and took away shelter of hospitals. Unprotected, the severely mentally ill die. I've shared some interesting links below. So I went camping with three of my close buddies, John, Bennett, and Kyle. We do this every year, kind of a bro trip to reconnect with each other. We were all fresh out of college and decided to go on our yearly camping trip in August. We were from Oregon and ended up camping in the woods there, like we usually do at the same spot. The first day was great. We set up our spot, explored the area, and by the time sun was setting, we set up a campfire and made dinner. After a few too many beers and some s'mores, we decided to go to sleep. It was a perfect end to a perfect day. Our second day was basically the same thing. Hiking, food, one too many beers. But this night ended up being not so perfect. I remember hearing a video about some guys camping and they heard laughing. And it turned out it was nobody in their group. Yeah, my story is similar. As we finished the rest of the beers, we were wrestling around with each other. And then John stopped messing around and froze. Everyone was confused, but John claimed he heard something nearby. I told him it was most likely a squirrel, and he said, No, it most definitely was not. He was scaring me at this point. So I decided to resume the tackling session and I took him down. We forgot about the whole thing until about 10 minutes later. We were tired from wrestling and joking around so we decided to put out the fire and head to the tent. We had a six person tent for anybody wondering, so we were all in one tent. Just as our only light source besides our flashlights went out, I heard a slight <laughs> cackle. I assumed it was one of the boys because we were all clearly a bit buzzed, so everything is funny. I wanted to see what was so funny, so I turned the flashlight directly on to Bennett's face. I thought he was the one laughing. Bennett's face was as white as a ghost. He looked at me and said, Did you guys hear that? I said, The laughing? And Kyle said, That wasn't you? We were all shaken and decided to go into the tent. As we got into the tent, I pulled out an axe that I used to cut the wood. It was the only source of protection we had. I was on the very end of the tent with Kyle and John in the middle and Bennett on the other end. 
We were all silent, but I knew we were all wide awake after hearing the laughing. We weren't exactly at an actual campsite where there were other people around. We just walked into the woods, found an open spot, and set up camp there. We were about a mile from our car with barely any cell signal. So I guess you could say we weren't exactly in the safest position if there was a crazy maniac running around. I got tired, so I ended up dozing off. I have no idea how long I was sleeping before I heard the laughing again. It's hard to describe other than it sounded menacing. I was frozen. I didn't move. I didn't even try to look over to see if my buddies were awake. The axe was under my pillow. As I mustered up the strength to move to get the axe, I saw what looked like someone's finger pressed up against the tent, just circling around the tent. Someone was definitely outside, walking around our tent, laughing. When they got to the front part of the tent where the entrance was, they stopped. About five seconds went by before the person ferociously shook the tent and screamed. Boogie, boogie. That's when I knew my buddies were awake as well because Kyle screamed like a little girl. And after he screamed, whoever was behind the tent laughed again and walked <laughs> off. We laid there the rest of the night, wide awake and definitely sober. We didn't want to move out of pure fear that whoever was out there was still there. When the sun came up, we packed up everything and walked back to our car. We still go camping every year, but make sure to go to a legit camping site. I now bring a judge, gun, with me and not just an axe. Whoever was outside our campsite could have been a deranged homeless person, psychopath serial killer, meth head or just a jerk playing a prank on us but i sure as heck won't camp in a rural place anymore thank you guys so much for listening don't forget to follow us over at nightmare society radio on instagram and if you're interested in supporting the podcast, you can do so at patreon.com slash nightmare society. If you're interested in merch, we have some listed over on threadless.com. You can find it on nightmare society.threadless.com. All those links will be in the description below. Again, thank you so much for listening. And until next time. Boogie, boogie.